Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. You're listening to a Big Heads Media Podcast. Tonight, it's True Crime Night number three, as we talk about a bunch of creepy letter writing. It's Circleville, Ohio, and Westfield, New Jersey. All that and more on Small Town Secrets. Hello, and welcome to this episode 5 of season 3 of Small Town Secrets. And uh, as the intro stated, it is True Crime Night uh, number 3. So the 5th episode, halfway through the season already. And we're going to be talking about uh, some uh, some weird letter writing, some creepy letters, both in Circleville, Ohio and Westfield, New Jersey. We're going to uh, discuss these Circleville letters and the mysterious watcher of uh, 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey. Two great stories. Uh, actually, the second one, the watcher one, 
I, I had heard about it. I read about it. I'm sure a lot of people have heard about it. But when I sat down and really started digging through, there was a lot more to it than I originally thought. So it turned out to be uh, quite the juicy story to talk about on the show. But don't worry, if you tune into this show for uh, the spookiness and the mysterious, we're going to have some of that too because uh, Shelby is back, if you remember. She was like the very first call-in slash interview Skype whatever uh, thing that I did for uh, the York Small Town Secret segment. I think it was, I want to say it was like episode six, season one, episode six. It was the vampire episode. Whichever one that one is, so go back and check that out. But she's back. She talked to us the first time about Springfield, Ohio, or the town outside of Springfield where she lived. And now we're going to talk about another home that she lived in down in Alabama. So there's a pretty nice, lengthy conversation about that and some other stuff coming up at the end of the show. Uh, Before we get into everything, I just want to mention I have decided that I will be starting a Patreon at the beginning of Season 4. I'm pretty sure I know exactly what I'm going to do. I want to start to get some artwork done and uh, some other stuff ready to go for it. I'll let everyone know, maybe like episode 9, episode 10, what the tiers are going to be and what everyone can expect from that if that's something that you're interested in. But yeah, at the beginning, when season 4 starts, Patreon is also going to start and we'll see how that goes. But that's really my only housekeeping note for this week, uh, and I just want to get into it, I think, a little bit. There's some fun interviews coming up. Like I said, Shelby's on this episode, and then we're probably going to have interviews and call-ins for the next at least three episodes, so that's kind of exciting. But as always, let's check out another Big Heads Media podcast. Uh, this one is What the Hops, so give them a listen, and I'll be back in a little bit. And welcome, everybody, to What Wait, Brian, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, that's right. We're supposed to be recording a promo here, aren't we? Um, aren't you supposed to tell people where they can find us? Yeah, we're What the Hops podcast based out of Buffalo, New York. We like to talk a lot about beer. A little bit about music. And all sorts of random things. So be sure to go find us wherever you get your podcasts and hit up all your social medias and search What the Hops and hit that like button. Cheers. Okay, uh, coffee drink. Cat is quiet. Uh, I think I am ready to get in to tonight's episode proper. So let's begin with Circleville, Ohio, and the Circleville letter writer. The name Circleville comes from the town's original layout. The center of town was once built around an 1,100-foot Hopewell earth mound. In the 1850s, the town's layout was changed to a more familiar grid-like layout. The town is known for its annual pumpkin show every October. And I'm pretty sure that's not the first uh, town we've talked about that has a pumpkin show. It is also known for a mysterious set of happenings in the late 1970s that started with strange and threatening letters and may have led to murder. It started happening in 1976. Many residents of Circleville started receiving creepy and often threatening letters. The letters were sent through the mail postmark from Columbus, Ohio, which is only about 30 miles north. One of these residents was a woman named Mary Gillespie. Her letter accused her of having an affair with the school superintendent. This was a troublesome accusation since she was a bus driver for the school district. Ron, Mary's husband, also received a letter about the affair. 
Soon, rumors began to spread, as they tend to do in little towns. Mary denied the rumors and said she had been happily married to Ron for years. Two weeks later, Mary received another letter which read, Gillespie, you have had two weeks and done nothing. Admit the truth and inform the school board. If not, I will broadcast it on CBS, posters, signs, and billboards until the truth comes out. After what seemed like an onslaught of letters to Mary Gillespie and others, the letters seemed to stop in 1977. However, on August 17th of 1977, Ron didn't get a letter, but he did get a phone call. To this day, we don't know what transpired on the call, but whatever it was infuriated Ron. He grabbed his coat, keys, and gun and sped away in his truck. Later that day, Ron's truck was found wrapped around a tree. He was found dead in the driver's seat. A car wreck? Perhaps. The police noticed his gun had been fired once, and it looked as if it was not a result of the accident. So I guess from whatever they could they could gather, they found that it didn't like go off when he hit the tree. It was almost like he intentionally shot it at something or someone. The police chalked the accident up to alcohol, saying Ron's blood alcohol level was over one and a half times the legal limit. Many friends of Ron didn't buy the explanation, saying that Ron was not a heavy drinker. This also seemed to upset the letter writer, who started sending letters to the sheriff department, accusing them of a cover-up. And I, I, I see where people are coming from, but if you get, like, I mean, obviously, whatever that phone call was, it uh, triggered, no pun intended, Ron to grab a gun and go somewhere to do something very hastily. So, you know, when, when that has happened... I could see someone wanting to get heavily drunk over what might have transpired in that call or the happenings before it or that whatever. So it's not, it's just because he wasn't a heavy drinker doesn't mean that he didn't go out and get hammered to deal with the super stressful situation. The letters would continue for seven more years. After the death of her husband, Mary admitted to having an affair with the superintendent but always said that their relationship didn't start until after the letter started arriving. So the affair was out in the open, and through all of it, Mary managed to keep her job as a bus driver. That was not the end of it. Six years after the death of her husband, in 1983, Mary was driving her empty school bus home when she noticed an array of cardboard signs. More threats were written on the signs. A distraught and angry Mary ran up to one of the signs and pulled it off a tree it was attached to. She noticed there was a string tied to it, which went from the sign into a small box. Inside the box, the string was tied to the trigger of a gun. Had she pulled harder on the sign, it would have shot her in the head. She loaded the booby trap into the bus and took it to the police. Which seems kind of weird, like, just leave it there and get the police and come back. Like, let's, ooh, let's put the thing in the bus. On the gun was a partial serial number. There was enough of the number left to trace the gun to Mary's former brother-in-law, Paul Freshour. Armed with the gun and handwriting analysis, police arrested Freshour and he went to jail for the attempted murder of Mary. Even though the handwriting analysis was a bit flimsy, many in Circleville thought that Paul was the letter writer, 
and now that he was in jail, the letters would stop. They would be wrong. Even with Paul behind bars, the townsfolk of Circleville continued to receive threatening letters. Freshhauer even got one himself while he was in prison. It read in part, Now, when are you going to believe you aren't going to get out of here? I told you two years ago, when we set them up, they stay set up. Don't you listen at all? Eventually, the letters did dry up. Paul was released from prison in 1994. He would maintain his innocence until he passed away in 2012. There has never been any concrete proof of whomever wrote the Circleville letters. Was it Freshhauer, upset that his sister-in-law was having an affair? Or could it have been Mary herself? Was it all an elaborate plan to kill her husband and frame his brother? We may never know. And I think there is some something to be said, speculation here, about uh, that maybe it's Mary herself. Like, it it's an elaborate hoax. It's an elaborate, not hoax, I guess, an elaborate plan that you would have to have gone on forever. But I always come back to that booby trap and that sign because it's just such a overly elaborate way to try to kill someone like what are the odds that, like okay there were first of all there was more than one sign so there wasn't a gun behind every sign I think that would have been in... I would have found that in almost every article I looked at on this. There was only a gun behind one sign. The gun that she... The sign that she just happened to go to and, you know, find it. And it just... It reeks to me of like, okay, if I'm trying to shoot someone in the head and booby trap something, that's the dumbest way to go about it. Like, so many things could have gone wrong to... I mean, you know, oh, she doesn't... she. she how do they know, who, whoever did it, how do they know that she was going to grab that particular sign? It just seems to me like she knew which sign to grab, quotation marks in the air with my fingers, and uh, because she didn't grab it, because it was never on a tree, it was always in the bus, and she just took straight to the police and claimed that she had found this booby trap. I kind of think that maybe she took her brother-in-law's gun, and, you know, I don't know. And maybe she, and you know, it's also possible that Maybe she didn't start writing the letters, but the letters gave her a cover to do this, and she went with it. Unless her brother-in-law knew her so well that he knew exactly what to write on a sign to make her so enraged that she would go and try to grab it. But it just seems so out there. I, I think the only way, and I know I'm rambling in pure speculation at this point, but I think the only way you go and grab the sign with the booby-trapped gun in it is if you either A, planted it there, or B, planted it there. But yeah, that is Circleville. No one knows. It's not far away. I would like to go there sometime. Uh, see if they have like a historical society. It would be it would be interesting. Because you can look online. I'll post some pictures. The letters are always very short. I didn't read a lot of them. But you can find like the letters sent to Paul and the police, you know, and that pretty easily. But I would like to read some of these other letters that had nothing to do with Mary and Paul and her husband and all that, just to see what they say, and like, you know, there are, if you kind of dig into the story a little bit, you hear a lot of people say that, oh, these letters are spot on, like, they were just dishing everyone's secrets out, 
which seems also kind of impossible. So I don't know if that's a tall tale or if you write so many letters to so many people about so many subjects, you're going to hit a couple of buttons. Hey, who knows? And that's the story. The kind of short story, but a very interesting, very intriguing story of the Circleville letters. Uh, I'm going to take a break here, get some more water, and we're going to come back and talk about the Watcher of uh, Westfield, New Jersey. So don't go anywhere. It's Once again, it's a podcast. I don't know why I do. It's not a radio show. It's a podcast, but it's, it's fun. It's fun to think it's a radio show. Before I get into The Watcher, I want to I preference something real quick. Uh, I'm going to read a few of the letters. But the thing about it is, even though the letters were, I guess, released later because of part of the court settlement, I couldn't just find... It would have been nice to just find somewhere that is just like, here's the letters in their entirety. But I couldn't really find that. So uh, I'm kind of piecing together what I could find from other articles and stuff and trying to make the letters as complete as I can. So I'm just letting everyone know these are not the letters verbatim, but it's just as much of it as I could find, as much of it as I could piece together. So like they may they may not make complete 100% sense because, like I said, I don't have every sentence of them, but I think I've got enough where everyone will get a pretty good picture of uh, what the letters said. The town of Westfield, New Jersey, is nestled in Union County. It boasts a population of 30,316 and is one of the wealthiest towns in the state. It's a picturesque community, a great place to buy a home, which is exactly what the Broadhouses did, only to find that their new home came with its own watcher. Derek and Maria Broadhouse bought the six-bedroom home on 657 Boulevard for $1.3 million in June of 2014. A few days after closing on the house, Derek went to his new home to do some painting. Around 10 p.m. that night, he checked the mail. There wasn't much in the mailbox, but there was an envelope addressed to the new owner. The letter read, Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to introduce you to the neighborhood. Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades, now and as it approaches its 110th birthday. I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within its walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that, so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call them and draw them to me. Who am I? 
There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Let the party begin. The Watcher. The Watcher noted many things in the letter, that he knew there were contractors at the house, and they correctly identified the family minivan. Derek was not amused. He went in and turned off all the lights so not to be seen from the windows and called the police. That night, Derek went home to their old house on the other side of Westfield. Marie and Derek emailed the former owners of the home, the Woodses, asking them about the Watchers and what that person would have meant by, I asked the Woods to bring me the young blood and it looks like they listened. The next day, Andrea and John Woods replied saying that shortly before moving out, they also received a similar letter. But that was the only one in the 23 years that they had gotten since they've lived there. The next day, both the Woods and the Broadhouses went to the police station and reported it. They were told by detectives not to tell anyone in the neighborhood about the letters, as they were all now potential suspects. Two weeks would go by with no more letters. Then one day, Maria stopped by the house to check on the renovations and, of course, grabbed the mail. Inside was another letter from the Watcher. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the Watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for, for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on, and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you too, Bratis family, welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. This letter called out Derek, Maria, and their children by name. The family never moved into 657, instead moving in with Maria's parents. During this time, they continued to pay for the house. Six months after closing on the house, they put it up for sale. Both the police and the Broadduses started their own investigation, and attention quickly turned to the next-door neighbors, the Langfords. 
They were an older couple who lived in the house next door for years, since the 1960s. As suspicion grew on the elderly couple and their children, uh, the son of which I believe was uh, schizophrenic, word started to get around about the watcher and the letters. After a while, the Langfords would be ruled out due to DNA evidence found on one of the envelopes, female DNA to be exact. As word got around, more and more finger pointing started around Westfield. A year later, the Broadduses would try and sue the Woods for not disclosing the letter before the sale of the house. This action painted the Broadduses by many as scam artists. People around Westfield began to say that it was all just a hoax. They said the family was either in over their head and was now trying to get out of the sale or get enough money from a court case to pay for the house, or maybe just buyer's remorse. As the court battle, finger pointing, investigation, and more letters went on, 657 sat empty. The police staked out the house one night and noted a suspicious car parked in front for several minutes. When they checked the plates, they belonged to a woman who had a boyfriend on the same block as the house. The boyfriend was an avid gamer and was purported to have played a game in which one of the characters of said game was called the Watcher. The police tried twice to get the guy to come in for an interview, but he never showed. Since the police didn't have enough evidence on him, there wasn't much they could do with the lead. The family took the house off the market for a brief time, hoping to sell it to a developer who would tear down the house, split the lot, and build two smaller homes in its place. However, this idea was shot down by the planning board. The house was put back up for sale in 2016. Eventually, a family agreed to rent 657 with the agreement that if the letters continued to show up, they could move out. It wouldn't be long for one to arrive to the renter. It read in part, Violent winds and bitter cold. To the vile and spiteful Derek and his winch of a wife Maria. You wonder who the Watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the Watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched you as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher! Uh, the Watcher would also go on to threaten revenge in many forms as soon as like, hey, there's car accidents, there's this and fires and all of that. Uh, so they were getting more and more threatening, more and more unhinged. To this day, the Watcher has not been caught, and the Brosses still think about it almost every day. They continue to rent the house, and even got a fourth letter claiming that the Watcher had won. And there you go. Um, I don't think that the Broadduses were trying to scam anyone. They were pretty well to do, like, Derek had just become, you know, one of the big things of speculation was like, how can they all of a sudden afford this big house, and da-da-da-da-da. Well, Derek had just become, like, the vice president of an insurance company in New York. He had, he was fine. And it wasn't like they ever struggled to make payments on a house that they never lived in. 
like you know they were able to make the mortgage payments so they weren't you know it wasn't they weren't in over their heads as many people said uh it seems like a long way to go for some buyer's remorse uh just i don't know like the letters are very they're everywhere right like one second the house is haunted one second the house is like something in the walls and then and then the next minute it's just like this person is just sent here to protect the home or and then the next minute after that it's next sentence might be a better descriptor than minute he is threatening to come and get everyone so which is it is the house haunted does he protect it is he there to get him just all over the place or she i guess it was female dna but both of these stories no one was ever really caught i mean there's never been a final nail in any of these stories coffins if you will uh don't know who the watcher is we'll probably never know who the watcher is i would like to think that maybe it was just some, some contractor one of the guys that worked on doing renovations for the house and just messing with them or it might have been even though they were kind of cleared there wasn't a whole lot you can do with letter writing this is no one x on it you know the langfords were like next door neighbors they had an amazing view of the house they could see many of the things the watcher could see from their vantage point but i just don't think there's enough there for the police to ever unless someone just comes up and goes hey it was me i can prove it i don't think the police are ever going to be able to find enough to pin down the dreaded watcher uh, of new jersey and that has been our main segment which still doesn't have a name one of these days it'll have a name but let's take a little break and then a little interlude throw some music on Come back with uh, local headlines and the rest of the show.
Okay, the local headlines this week actually kind of run the gambit from the strange to the Bigfooty to uh, true crime. Ah, uh, crime. Uh, the first one, short and sweet, but I had to do it. This is the headline. Ready? <clears throat> a woman performed a spiritual ritual on a dead possum in the road, demanding it repent. What Kesha police say? Uh, this is from uh, JS Online, written by Hannah Kirby, and this is the article. Waukesha police, Waukesha's in Milwaukee, by the way, on Monday afternoon received calls that a woman was performing a spiritual ritual on a dead possum in the road at the intersection of Springdale and Blue Mount. The woman, who apparently stopped and got out of her car when she saw the possum, threw goldfish and windshield washer fluid on the dead animal. Unclear if that is the cracker or actual goldfish. The caller told the dispatcher, according to the police call log. The woman then pulled a Green Bay Packers lawn chair out of her car and yelled repent at the possum, the log said. A caller, who had been following the woman's vehicle before the incident, said the driver's behavior was erratic, according to the log. The possum was removed from the roadway, the report said. There's no way I wasn't going to do that story. I don't care if it was only three paragraphs long, but... I want to know what the possum did. But let's move on to uh, the next one. And I wanted to do this one because not only is it a Bigfoot sighting, but uh, this is from New River Gorge in West Virginia where I've gone and spent the weekend hiking last summer. So near and dear to my heart. This is from uh, the WV Explorers, the West Virginia Explorer, written by uh, David Sibray. And the headline reads, Couple claim to photograph Bigfoot near New River Gorge. A husband and wife living in a remote corner of Fayette County in southern West Virginia claim to have encountered and photographed a Bigfoot. Bill Humphrey of Denise, of Denise? I'm not sure how you say it, says that before the October 2019 incident, he had ridiculed such claims, but has spent the last half a year turning the encounter over in his mind. I didn't believe in Bigfoot, Humphrey says. I 100% didn't believe in it. And I said that people who claimed they saw it were crazy. According to Humphrey, a hunter, coal miner, and former U.S. Marine, the encounters occurred in late October in the woods near his home where he'd set up a hunting blind. On a series of consecutive nights, food that he had put out to attract the game had been disappearing more quickly than usual. Everything was gone, within hours, all of it, he said. So he spent part of the next two nights in a deer blind, hoping to catch the culprits and perhaps some game. He set up a cam and hung a light pointed downward about nine feet off the ground to help spot whatever had been taking the food. Then he waited. I knew I had some raccoons, and we've got deer and bear, but whatever it was, it was eating everything, and I was determined to find out what was going on. Far from city lights, night in the woods in West Virginia can grow scary, unsettling at least. But even then, something wasn't right, he said. He texted his wife, Sheena. Something is eerie up here. There ain't nothing moving. Then, whatever had been taking the food stalked up through the wooded darkness from the left until it stood just outside the blind. Then it moved behind the blind. Humphrey raided, breathless. There's something heavy moving behind the blind, I texted her. It stood there for, oh, about a minute, and then it came around to the right side, then moved in front, passing in front of the light. I thought it was a bear because it was tall enough that it cast a shadow when it passed in front of the light. But the light was nine feet up, 
So whatever it was, it was big. Only able to see the silhouette in the darkness, Humphrey didn't seriously question that it was anything other than a large bear, though it was remarkably large and the forest had grown remarkably quiet. Same encounter occurred the next night, after which the food that he had stored in the blind had been exhausted. So he returned for a third evening at about 4 p.m., this time with Sheena, who had gotten off work early. I said, let's wait here till dark and see what happens. Well, we'd only been sitting there for about 15 minutes when it came back. We looked out, and Sheena says calmly, There he is, I said. There who is? Bigfoot, she said. Bill Humphrey says he was able to snap a quick photo with his phone, but did not have a better camera handy. Imagine that. Then he turned and walked off. We heard him go through the laurel thicket, and then he made this sound like, Have you ever heard a deer's death moan? He went like, Ooh, that's it. Fill you with terror with that with that noise I just made. As brave and woodhardy as Humphrey may be, he says he declined to return to the blind for another month, and he did. He found it shredded, but not like a bear would tear it apart looking for food. After that, other signs of a Bigfoot began to reveal themselves. Fowl had been disappearing from the family's farm, chickens as well as turkeys. Sheena Humphrey pointed out. I had 104 chickens, and then I realized we had 60, she said, but there was no sign of them being killed, no blood or feathers. Sheena encountered a Bigfoot on two earlier occasions and had once heard her grandmother telling such tales, so she was much less shocked than her husband was when they had their autumn encounter. The first time I saw one, I was about 16 or 17, and riding the car with my mother past Babcock State Park, and I looked to my left and he was just standing there in the woods, plain as day, she said. I was so persistent about going back that she turned around, but by then it was gone. But I got a good look because we were going only 35 through a curve and it was spring and there weren't many leaves on the trees. The next time I saw when I was driving down Leyland Mountain near Boyer Mine Supply, right before you go to the bridge that washed out a few years back. I might have been 29 or 30. It was standing there and I thought it was a bear at first. But there were two motorcycles in front of me, and I guess they scared it because as soon as the motorcycle passed, it stood up and cleared that creek and ran up the side of the mountain. She says she assumes that there could be several Bigfoots in the area, at times, as their fur has been colored differently. The first was darker, reddish-brown, and the other a little darker than a deer in winter. Until recently, the couple spoke to no one about the encounter. Then Billy heard of a friend who would claim that a wild man of some sort had been found living in a cave near Chestnut Knob, several miles to the west, and a farmer on Bacchus Mountain, several miles to the north. He said that something had been spooking her cattle. Could a Bigfoot or a group of ape-like hominoids live undiscovered in the region? The area is part of vast woodland that spans more than 800 square miles. Bounded on the south and west by the New River Gorge National River and northeast, by the Mongolina National Forest. There could be enough room between the two federally managed forest areas for such beasts to roam. There's lots of land owned by hunting clubs in here where people don't go eight months out of the year, Sheena Humphrey says. Billy Humphrey says he'll never forget the look of the creature. It was massive and about eight and a half feet. I guess Sheena went and stood where he'd been standing and she was about five seven in the picture. He's actually standing so that his lower half is over the hillside. The thing was huge. It had a cone head and it was tan under the eyes and had a barrel chest 
the original photo of Bigfoot you see in Patterson Gilman film. That's what it looked like. It didn't look like some of the other photos you see, Humphrey said. Humphrey says he is now a believer and will invite anyone who would like to come to see the clearing near his home and inspect the area. I hate it because I have made fun of people like that who claim to have seen such things. And there is a picture, and it's uh, exactly what you would expect. It is a picture of many trees and many dead leaves and then uh, something circled in red. I can't really get like a big picture of it, but I can almost see a face. It might be pareidolia, but it actually looks like a face and some shoulders. I've seen worse Bigfoot photos. I've seen better Bigfoot photos. But I, I really wanted to do that story because I've been to that area. And it just I saw that and I was like, oh, this has got to go on the show. And the last one, and this one's it's small town-ish. I'm hitting the suburb from L.A., but I had to do the story. This is a true crime night. I had to get a, some sort of crime in this segment. Uh, hearse stolen outside Pasadena Church with woman's corpse inside, crashes on the 110 freeway. This is from Fox 11. The by Kelly Johnson is the writer. Los Angeles. A hearse that was stolen outside a Pasadena church with a woman's corpse inside was involved in a short pursuit before it crashed on the 110 freeway in South Los Angeles Thursday morning, official set. Imagine finding out a hearse had been stolen from a mortuary and your mother's body may be inside. One woman who thinks it happened to her says she wasn't getting straight answers. Officials said the black Lincoln Navigator that was customized for mortuaries was stolen Wednesday night shortly after a mortician parked the vehicle outside to deliver another body for an upcoming memorial service at St. Anthony's Greek Orthodox Church located in the 700 block of Rosemead Boulevard. Officials say the deceased body that remained inside the hearse was not connected to the church. As soon as the luxury hearse was reported missing, the sheriff's office said there was an all-out search for the vehicle. Just before 8 a.m. Thursday, officers with Los Angeles Police Department spotted the SUV with license plates that matched the stolen hearse. The driver failed to stop, leading officers on a chase. The vehicle then crashed on the southbound lane of the 110 freeway striking multiple other vehicles in the process near Vernon Avenue in South Los Angeles. Officers shut down the southbound lanes in South Los Angeles for several hours while authorities conducted the investigation. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Police Department confirmed that there was a casket containing the deceased body inside the vehicle. The suspect, later identified as 24-year-old James Juarez, was hospitalized and taken into custody. Just after 10 a.m., Sky Fox captured aerial images of officers transferring the casket from the wrecked hearse to another Lincoln Navigator in the city of Vernon. Fox 11 later learned that the owners of the funeral home in Arcadia never alerted the families their loved one's corpse and casket had been stolen. Officials Thursday morning transferred a woman's body from a stolen hearse that crashed on the southbound lane of the I-10 freeway to another Lincoln Navigator that was customized for mortuaries. The investigation is ongoing. And that has been this week's Local Headlines. And for this week's Your Small Town Secret segment, like I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to go back and talk to Shelby about her experiences down in Alabama in a uh, kind of subdivision 
that may or may not have been built around some uh, Native American kind of burial mounds or burial grounds. So we talk about that. We talk about some doppelgangers. We talk about some crazy dreams. All sorts of stuff. It's a fun, spooky conversation. Um, a lot of fun. It's always great to talk to her. And uh, so I'm just going to throw it up there. Take a listen. I'll come back after that. We'll finish out this episode. So here we go. Right, so last time you were on, we did, we talked about up here in Ohio. Right. Some of it was like, you know, so, but then we wanted to get into Montgomery, Alabama. Right. The, so this is like the Arrowhead. I don't know what you would call it. Ooh, there's a country club. Look at this man. Yeah, it's military, you know, I guess being ah, gotcha, adopted gotcha. into a military. We had the we had the privilege of uh, living in in a like we never we never went to the 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 club course but well, like yeah. it was in there yeah. so a lot of people golfing so tennis course going on yeah yeah but um yeah it's um i i just always called it a neighborhood yeah i guess that's what it is it's just one of those nice modern ones where there's no blocks and you can't find your way around it's all cul-de-sacs yeah. and like <laughs> A lot of old people, a lot of like old, um, I wouldn't say filthy rich, just like well-to-do old people. Yeah. At the time, like there yep. wasn't, there wasn't many kids. A lot of, a lot of pools and a lot of backyards here on Google right. Maps. Yeah, uh, our house like it was really ugly when we got it. It's like that it has nothing to do with anything I'm going to tell you, but <laughs> I'm just letting Let's you know. Go to it. Street View and take a look. <laughs> Uh, well, before all that grass, you see, um, my dad actually like planted sod because uh-huh. the whole the whole front yard was like dirt, and like the backyard was dirt. It was just clay. Like it didn't look like any anything was like growing. And it actually took him a long time to like get the sod to like take to the to the ground. There's like an island in the front. I know. Like, there it is. There are. I don't know. Is like this? Is does he still live there, or is this some like no. something completely new? There are a great many cars in the driveway now. Um, I haven't looked it <laughs> up. I haven't looked it up recently. Ooh, we got but... a we got a boxy '80s Camaro sitting there. Yep. There's like Ooh. some like an island. I see what you're saying. There's like some trees on it. Right. Yeah. Um, gotcha. God, I don't know about the Camaro, but um. <laughs> If like, you see like a Toyota Camry or like a the shitty like, um, oh no. I don't know what you call it. Like I, f- I forgot the the car that I drive now. It's a Nissan Sentra. Like a, Is it silver? No, it's like green. Oh, there's a silver Nissan something in here. Maybe that, I don't know. You don't know when I they used to tell you when they take when they took these pictures, but I don't see it now. Oh, this oh. image was captured on March of 2014. Yeah, I think we were still living there. <laughs> yeah, so we maybe, have... maybe that's just one in front. I can't get into the yard. I can only get to the street. Yeah, huh. like with the grass had taken like at that time, but like when we moved in, like when I was like seven, there was like nothing. Yeah, zero barren. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Enough spying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my home. That was the place I grew up in. Yeah. For the most part. But um, so it, they say that that place 
like I said, I think I mentioned this uh, in the earlier the earlier thing that they didn't. I don't know, but people swear up and down that it was built on uh, Native American burial ground. Right. Like I said, I don't. I've never. I don't know how to look that up. But you I know would that... have to go see because the issue with this is like. It is, I mean, it's like its own little neighborhood, right? But mm -hmm. technically, it's Montgomery, so which is not a small neighborhood. Yeah. And really, it's actually, it looks like it's kind of far away from town and town proper. But you would have to, like, go to, like, city. You would have to dig some records up. Yeah, I've, you know, I've, uh, I've looked up from online as much. Who knows how far back. Maybe the downtown and, library, I think. Yeah, That's or if there's, idea. like, a historical society or something. I know that we did ha we did have Native American settlements here. I just don't know in what spots. Mm -hmm. So um, everyone everyone I've talked to, like everyone says it. When I people I didn't even know, I was like, oh, where, where you live? I'm like, well, I live out in Airhead, and they'd be like, oh, that's that place that's built on a Native American burial ground. And I was like, I guess I don't I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like the correct and like, like if you don't know, you know. It's yeah, like it's just like yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess like. But um, there there are, there's quite quite a lot of really really weird things that have happened. Uh, I'll say, tell you. Um, so uh, I guess I'll just jump in. Yeah, go for it. So, we moved. I was like seven. Uh, we lived uh, in a neighborhood. Um, after I moved down from Ohio. We lived in a neighborhood that was like a newer, it was like a brand, it wasn't like brand new, but they were still like building houses, you know, in yeah. certain areas. So we lived in the place next to it, Town Lakes, and I had I didn't have any problems there, um, apart from like the, the things that would happen like within the family, you know, but nothing, nothing supernatural. My brothers swear like that they saw some weird stuff there, but... I never experienced, maybe I was, like, too caught up in my own stuff to, like, really understand, but, right. um, so they got divorced, and we moved, like, literally packed our stuff and moved, like, not even a mile away, because mm -hmm. it wasn't too far away, so, um, we moved there, and, um, at first, uh, it was, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, it's just kind of, I didn't feel anything weird in the house, but uh, the one of the th one of the things I tell everybody when they always ask me like the weird experiences, like the one of the first nights I ever ever slept in the house. Um, so if you can imagine, um, there's like the driveway. I know that you you you've seen them at the front of the house, so you kind of you kind of know there's a driveway, and then. Halfway up the driveway, there's like this, uh, there's this, uh, walkway that goes, that leads up to the porch. Yes. And, um, it was really weird because I recall in this dream, uh, well, I'm getting like, I'm like getting a little freaked out thinking about it because it's like, it was like, it was one of the freakiest things that ever happened. But, um, it was weird because I remember I was having a dream about it was something crazy, but it had nothing to do with the house. But in the dream, 
it was like it's like one day I'm fishing in a river mm-hmm. like with with Abraham Lincoln or something and then it goes black and then in the dream that I'm walking like from the street sign to my house and it's pitch dark it's, it's dark that neighborhood didn't have any at least way in the back where I was it didn't have any lights there was no street lights yeah, I'm not seeing no street lights, yeah, no um, sidewalk. Yeah. yeah. Nothing like that. Um people usually just kept their lights on. they like we had lights like in the yard. Like a, yeah. You know, like I don't know what you call them. But um like a street light in the yard or you know. Yeah, no. But, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So in the dream I'm walking and I don't know why, but I'm walking to the house and the porch is illuminated. The, the lights on. Um, and this is like literally like the second, maybe third night that I'm sleeping. Like the first night, no problem, no problem. But like it, it just hit me. Um, so as I'm walking, this dude comes out of nowhere and he starts walking with me, and he's keeping my, he's keeping pace. And then he's like, "Uh, don't worry. Um, they sent me to tell you about the house." And I looked at him. And there wasn't really anything, like, special about the guy. Um, he was maybe a little older than I was. He was um, in his teens, probably. Had dark hair. Um, kind of skinny. He was walking with me. And we're, we're walking up my, my driveway. And I said, what, what's wrong with the house? He's like, don't, um, I can't tell you, but don't worry because I'm not leaving. So I was like, okay. So instead of taking the walkway, I'm walking, I like cut through the grass, but then as soon as my foot steps, like, I put a toe on the walkway, I freeze. I can't move. And I'm like, what the hell? I turn my head. This is the only thing I can move. The dude is, has bolted. He's gone. He's like, I'm like, and I remember in the dream, I'm like, you son of a bitch. Shaking so your then, fist at him. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I remember like be looking back at the door, and everything's still illuminated. Uh-huh. It was like I felt a pull towards the door, and I don't remember what language I was being chanted at, and it sounded like Latin. But in the door, there was this like spiraling like dimension portal it looked like Like a vortex they might yes and when when like when the chanting was like coming out of it and it was all kind of distorted and like just so weird and um i can't move like i'm i feel cold like all over and in that moment like i wake up and i can't move still i'm like i feel like i'm pinned like i have blankets you know, I feel like I'm pinned, I can't move, and I can still hear the chanting. And it slowly goes away. And as it goes away, like, it, like, the, the pressure on me, like, lifts off. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, staring up at the ceiling, <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell was that? And I th- I don't know, uh, I think uh, immediately afterwards, I kind of, like, like, curled up into a ball and, like, hid under my blankets and went right back to sleep. But, um, that was probably, like, 
the one of the first like experiences in that house was like one of the most terrifying things. So when you say you couldn't move, could you not move in the dream, or was it more of like a sleep paralysis thing? Well, in the dream, I couldn't move either. Okay, so like both, really. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Like, I've never experienced sleep paralysis. No, neither have I. So I don't at know. all. But um, I imagine that that's exactly how it is. It just. It sounds yeah. From what I've heard, you could chalk it up to that. I will. Right. So um, that was like the very first thing that happened and um i didn't tell my dad because my dad's you know my, my dad's very like conservative mm -hmm. to this day she doesn't believe anything that happened in the house she just she um or the, the views on like afterlife and stuff had changed but as as far as it, like like entities and ghosts and stuff being in the house she just she said she never experienced it but also she's very scientific and you know, but, um, yeah, so, um, I, I kind of chalked it all up as just being a really weird dream, but then, like, it was, like, in the nighttime, I would just have, like, these nightmares, like, the, me and my friend actually kind of shared a nightmare, but, um, like, within year, like, year separations, uh, one of the dreams that I had was, uh, and this is, it, this might get kind of graphic, but in the dream, I don't know if you're okay with me getting kind of graphic with the. No, I don't care. Okay. You know, like like I said, this will go out in a couple. Like, so if you do whatever you want, if you like I said, if you come up and said, hey, hey, on second thought, maybe not put that in the show. Just let me know, and I can cut it. No, but for me, no, like it's that. it's weird because me and my friend we had the exact same dream, but like it was like her yeah. first night spending the night with me. And this, this dream happened within, like, the first few weeks that I stayed in the house. But, um, basically, so, I'm in this, like, I'm in this, like, big stadium. And okay. this, uh, politician is giving a rally. And at first it sounds like everybody's pro, like, pro the politician. They're like, yeah, mm -hmm. like, but, um, soon people, like, you can tell that, like, it switches, like, it melds perfectly in from being, like, yeah, pro-politician do. No, you can't do that, you know? Right. Okay. And, um, they have these big, like, screens. Like, broadcasting. Like, yeah, like and monitors they, or whatever. Yeah. And they zoom in on the politician, and he has a baby. This is where it gets, like, really kind of messed up, but he bends down like he's gonna kiss the baby. But he starts eating the baby's face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I woke up and I was like, the hell am I, like, I don't know, I'm like eating wrong or like, I don't know. At this point, it really hadn't like clicked to me that the house is really, there was something, there was something there. But, um, let's see, like at, like at night, um, I remember switching, um, the way my pillow faced. Because in my room, um, my bed was in such a way that I could see the, see the, I could see the, um, the window. And, uh, there was an, there was one night when I was, uh, I turned off my lights, so I go to go to sleep and caught my eye at the window. There was like this tall dude. It looked like he was looking into my window and like banging on it. 
but there was no sound. Mm-hmm. I just saw some dude looking into my window. I would turn on my light and I checked and there's no one there. I called my brother in to see if he would check. And he was like, that was just me. Mm-hmm. But my brother was like as tall as I was. And this, this reached like the height of the window. So um, that was kind of weird. But um, I see as, as far as it like it, from that point, like I started kind of like getting a little freaked out, you know. And my dad would be like, oh, why are you sleeping that way on your bed? You know, you're supposed to sleep towards the wall. You know, usually your head's at the wall when you sleep. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't want to tell my dad. <laughs> my dad, are, like, at this point in time, yeah. dad, <laughs> she already thought that I was, like, crazy. Like, um, I was, like, on medication and stuff. Which uh, it probably didn't help the situation very much. But, um, yeah, at that house... Uh, Let's see, that's one of the creepy Is it a one-story house? Oh, it was a two-story. Okay. Yeah. Uh, plus an attic, but I don't think that counts as a story. Did, so did you have, like, because I'm looking at it, is it like, did you have, like, the, like the second, it's a second floor, but it has, like, sloping walls? Maybe? Um, no, my, my room, okay, so if you, if you look at the front of the house, uh, mm-hmm. you see this one room with a bay window. My room wasn't the room with the bay window but it was like okay beside that one gotcha okay and i had the i had the the room that my closet was sloped because the stairwell you know mm. okay um, okay I, I can see how that because that's the yeah. way ours is we have like like my room is like a sloped right. and then there's a little attic kind of tucked in there right okay. so it's so like I used to think that I was like, like crazy at first, but then like my other friends started like seeing stuff, and nothing like nothing like I saw, except for that one friend who like we shared the same dream, pretty much. Hmm. But um, everyone else like they'd see like shadows go down the hall. Um, there's one time me and my ex best friend we. We saw a woman dancing in the hallway, and we were at different angles from each other. Like, I was in the kitchen looking into the hallway, and she was coming up the hallway, and she stopped, and I stopped, and we both saw the woman. She was, like, dressed in white. I know it's it's really cliche, but that woman, she had a white dress on, and she was just twirling in the hallway. And mm-hmm. we both stopped at the same time, and we stared at each other. And she was like, did you see that? And I was like, yes. The woman in white, she's like twirling in the hallway. I'm like, yeah, that's it. Most of the time, it was me with me and her. I saw a lot of uh, a lot of weird stuff. Um, I don't know if your show covers aliens, but I can even get oh, yeah. to. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I've that's yeah, I've done a lot of alien stuff. In fact, I don't know if you've ever. I should send you the episode before you were on the first time. There's a great interview with a guy who was abducted by aliens he talked to me for like an hour and a half i don't want to be i don't want to like be that person it's like oh yeah me too but like i don't know <laughs> i don't know if i was but um me and my brother um we we had a, like a mardi gras parade recently and yeah. me and my brother got together and i i asked him some weird questions about the house and he was like oh yeah some weird stuff happened and that's how he also found out about the other house that we had which was um 
had uh, apparently had some weird stuff happening too. Like my little brother, like my younger brother woke up once and he like, he swear he saw like a little, a little man dressed in native American attire, like shooting arrows at him and he smacked him with his pillow. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> it's <laughs> oh, stuff like that. But like, um, like at, at the arrowhead house, it was stuff like, I would hear my name. Uh, there's one time I was um, in the shower and I hear the door open and I hear my, my younger brother's voice go, hey, which is really weird because I'm in the shower, you know? Yeah. And I open up my I open up my thing. And I was like, hey, but the door was closed. And like my brother was there. My brother, he said he wasn't, you know, he just come home from like doing whatever i don't know i was like my brother did disappear for like days at a time and come back so i was like left in the house um i have a few more creepy like really like really like the spookiest things that happen um of the alien uh, i don't know if it's alien encounter my brother swears they saw a ufo like over the neighbor's house like and then um he said that he saw some like weird lights in the sky. Uh, There's one time also when I was uh, sitting out with um, my best friend and we were just talking. Like we get into really deep conversations and we heard like a sonic boom like in the sky. Mm-hmm. We swear, and we were like, and uh, no one covered it. Like, but then eventually they said that something about some kind of like jet testing or something yeah because aren't uh hold on a second i've got like eight google maps open but also like so you were in this house like we well, we like the google image thing is from 2014 so like like what like 2012 blah 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 blah, blah around there uh, i think a lot before that because let's see well, i'm trying to think i guess you were up here because if I was if I was born in um, I was born in '89, I, w- I was in Ohio for seven years, and then I moved down there. Mm-hmm. And they got divorced when I was like 13, so it would be like early, maybe 2009 or 10 or something, something like that. Well, I mean, it would because uh, that would like because would that have been? Now we're going to get into some inside baseball because I graduated from ITT in 2010. Right. So you had to be up here 2009-ish, 2008-ish. Yeah, probably. So it was either so what would, would have been when you went back down from there or before you came up. Oh no, the stuff that I'm telling you now is the stuff that happened uh before I went up there. Okay. But um I just feel like the other creepy stuff, like I think that happened after. But um, I swear to, this is gonna sound really funny, and you, but uh, there's one time um, I got really uncomfortable. I, I don't remember if you remember. I I'm a smoker, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to quit again, for like the fifty billion time. Mm-hmm. But um, when I used to smoke, like I used to really like sitting on the back porch and just chilling at night. No one around me, just chilling, you know. Yeah. Um. It was like, cause I, I had a really bad insomnia. 
So, I would. Uh, there's a point in time when I actually got really uncomfortable sitting, standing outside, even for like a few minutes. I always had to assemble with me because um, it sound. This is gonna sound really hilarious, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's like uh, the way I tell my friends is I saw Batman on the roof of my of my neighbor's like house. I saw what looked like Batman on the roof of my neighbor's house. Oh, and like the so, you know like so like if you like look at the the cartoon Batman mm-hmm. um like how he he jumped up on the roof and then he like slowly rose up and his little ears are like poking out mm-hmm. like I swear I saw that and I went outside to get a better look and it was gone and I had like the weirdest feeling I know it's like really funny. All my friends like laugh whenever I tell them that. But um. Well, I mean, not necessarily. Like, if you think about, it, like, the only reason that um, like, like, well, you know what Mothman is, right? Like, yeah, I know Mothman. He's is. called that because of Batman, like, because of a because of his similarities to what he looks like, like Batman, and B when it was, you know. During the 60s, it was during the really campy show. But, like, you know, like, you're not the first person to describe a Mothman slash Batman-like entity. Trust me. And you (laughs) won't be the last one either. So, I get it. Um, It's it's like, it wasn't just that, though. Like, um, we would hear very strange, like, growls. This is like, I've heard coyotes. I've heard wolves. I've heard... You know, foxes, they don't really growl so much as they, like, scream at you. Yeah, yeah, foxes have, like, yeah. They have, like, a, ah! Yes. But we would hear, like, we would hear some things. Now, there was, there's sometimes at night, I used to get, I used to be really comfortable, like, um, getting out, like, the dead, the dead of night when the moon's out. Yeah, I was, like, like, when I was younger, I was, like, like, the creepy kid. And I would just, like, roam the neighborhood in the dark as... There's just something that gave me comfort, I guess, because I had not a lot going on at home. Mm-hmm. But um, I would like dress myself. <laughs> it's really freaking weird. I just dress myself in, like a sheet and like walk around. Not like a white sheet, but like like a dark. So I didn't. I wanted to blend in with the darkness. Not like anything like that. Right. But um, then yeah. I also it was it was really weird. Like I thought it was, there was something poetic about like the the. Sh- sheet whipping around in the wind and it's just really weird <laughs> um but um i did it to kind of like cloak myself into the dark because there was no no one drove back there anyway you know not that late there yeah it seems like it would be at night it would probably be a pretty quiet neighborhood like oh yeah when i when i was working in troy and had that apartment like i lived in a very similar neighborhood and like yeah I would walk around at night all the time, and you would, you know. Yeah, and like when I when if if I ever had friends over, like we we'd get out in the night and we'd, you know, bad kids. I felt like a complete badass just walking around smoking cigarettes at like fourteen, whipping, like my my cape whipping in the wind. You know, like I felt like I felt like I was like the baddest bitch in the world. Mm-hmm. But um. The, uh, the, what stopped it actually? Um, uh, we were, we were. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the the neighborhood. 
scapatoy loops around. It's not like a cul-de-sac. It's like horseshoes, for a better word. I just had it. I was just there. Great thing about that one is if you put in, I'm not going to say the address number, and SACC, it's like the first thing that pops up on Google Maps. Yeah. So there's not a lot of, how do you say it? Scapatoy? Scapatoy, that sounds good. Yeah. Which is an Indian, which is a Native American name, by the way. Yeah, I don't like, even, like uh, all, all, of the, all of our um, names in that neighborhood are Native American. Yeah, like there's a, I see like there's a Seminole Drive over here. There's a Chattahoochee, there's a creek. Yeah, like, there's an Apache Port. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. So, uh, I was. Yeah, watching... I see what you're saying. Like it doesn't. It's kind of like an L shape, and then it goes into what is that Creek Drive, and then yeah. yeah. And uh, so I would I would go on that thing, and then I'd turn I'd turn right, because it loops back around to say Aptoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. It's almost like night. a block, not quite. Yeah. Oh, one night I was out there, and I I heard footsteps, and I. I just like, kind of looked around. There's no one there. And um. Like I said, an edgy edgy little fourteen fifteen year old. Uh, um. I get to the point where um, Arrowhead Drive met Creek. Okay. And um, if you were to take that left, you'd go right into the woods. And me and my brothers had me and my brothers yeah. had been there before in the daytime. Like Arrowhead just kind of dead ends into the woods there. It right? does. Yeah. <laughs> so I would I like I stood in the middle of the road and this is like one two o'clock in the morning, and this is literally what stopped me from doing this weird. You know, like lurker of the night type thing that I was doing, but um, I looked for, for whatever the hell possessed me. I looked at the woods, and I don't know if it was just paranoia. I don't know if there's really something out there, but I I looked in the woods and there's these eyes. What I looked at, what I looked, could have been a wild animal, but um, there was something about it. That freaked me out. And I... I turned and I, ran, I went home. And I could just feel like... I could feel like... I could hear the footsteps and like... You know... Something getting closer. And I was like, if I get to my house and my door's locked... Um, I'm gonna freak out. Because my dad would do this thing sometimes when she'd wake up and... Lock the door. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to go wake her up and she'd get really pissed off. <laughs> um yeah that that stopped my whole thing and then like I'd see um there was like a lot of shadow there's a lot of shadow shadowy stuff that went on um but uh as for inside the house like okay so at this point in time I kind of understand that there's something up with the house the dude in the dream, I guess he tried to warn me, but I guess he got too scared and I ran away. That's how I always looked at it. Yeah. Like, but, um... So... Time's going on. Um, weird stuff happen. Like, I will get, like... It's... I was here, like, tapping on the wall. Like, surrounding my room. Um, there's one time I used to try to sneak my boyfriend over and <laughs> it's really, really, it was really like, I hope my dad's not listening. Sorry, dad. But, uh, 
So, um, he would come over at night, and, uh, there's one time when, uh, he's like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm turning, I'm turning onto your road, uh, unlock the, unlock the window. So I, I, um, I hang up with him. I go to my window, I go to unlock it, and I hear, I'm here, open the window. And I just got this feeling washed over me, and I was like, nah. So I call him back immediately, and I hear his door slam. And I'm like, uh, you better get here now, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that thing I just heard said that you it was you. He's like, I'm not I'm not at your window yet. Don't open the window. So I was quite I was like probably one of the creepiest times. Um, another creepy time, but um, I, uh, on top of that, like I'd see. I'm kind of jumping around here. Sorry, but no, uh, that's okay. I've I, noticed though, like a lot of these things that you describe a lot of this stuff is like it's always something impersonating someone you know yeah like even last time when you were talking about you're like when you were on last time i think the creepiest thing you told like and i've had one nightmare my entire life all right so i don't get like creeped out easily but when you were talking about the thing that like walked into your room oh yeah backwards and it was your but it was like your brother or something, and it said something. It was like on trigger, like on Halloween or something. Yeah. I don't know. That's just something I've it, noticed that a lot of your experience seem to be like some sort of like I'm entity really... that's like I'm just going to impersonate people that you know and like. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> they've like I've seen like doppelgangers of my of my girlfriend. I've seen my best friend actually, and that's something else I'll I'll go into. But there's other like the other like the, some of the weirder things also have nothing to do with that. But yeah, now that you mention it, yeah. Yeah. I see that. Um, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish there, but um, it's like, but my best friend would like see the same thing or like hear the same stuff. Like she'd, they, she'd hear her name call. Like, yeah. Um, mm. we'd have like things like things being thrown across the room. Um, I would. Uh, this is uh, this is gonna sound kind of strange. I hope I can say this correctly but it would be like charred burned hands out of nowhere like uh, there was one time i was i was up i was like netflix or i was doing something and i looked something caught my eye and i looked towards the uh my door like the hallway area and it was like this hand reached out of nowhere uh, dead ass like reached out of nowhere and like kind of waved at me like try to get my attention. Okay, and then yeah, it, like it, a... it, it like swiped downward and then disappeared. And like, um, I would see like, it it looked like a, a charred, like dark charred, like as if it was on, if it had been on fire or if it's like mummified or something. That's the best way I can describe it. But it was like I'd see legs like that, as if someone were to like walk around the corner i'd see like a leg or like a hand wave at it was really bizarre but, um, but it was always like it was never like a full body thing it was always just like when, when it came to like the the charred charred mm-hmm. body limbs no that was it was just limbs but on one occasion um it was just limbs it's all right yeah. <laughs> well 
Well, I want I say that to tell you this. Uh, one of the, one occasions, it was actually there. There are there are maybe I can count maybe six experiences in that house that freaked me out the most. And um, this is this is one of them. Um. So. I uh I was up really late. Um, gaming. I had insomnia really bad. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was gaming with a friend. I was fully awake. My brother came home. He uh he let our dogs in. We had um a German Shepherd, not a German Shepherd, a Golden Retriever. Her name was Daisy. And I had he was a mutt. He um he looked like he had the coloration of a um. If I can find a picture, I'll show you. But you can understand he was a short boy, but mm-hmm. uh he was a, he was a kind of long boy. But um our table it sat up in such a way that. You couldn't see his face if he were to jump, you know, put his paws up. And I'll tell you that to tell you this. So, middle of the gaming, my brother comes home. He lets the dog in. They're not really supposed to be in, but he lets him in. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says goodnight to me. He goes upstairs. Takes Daisy with him. So, I'm, uh, with, I'm, I'm gaming with my friend. And out of my peripheral... I see what I think are paws, like paw, like little little, like the end of the paws, jump up yeah. and kind of like place themselves on the thing, and then I see a forehead, like a dog. I I thought it was my dog, you know, and I'm putting his forehead up on me, like to like look mm-hmm. at me, which didn't make any sense because he could have come around. He he, this isn't normal behavior for him, but at the time I dismissed it. I was like, oh yeah. So it clicks in my head. I was like, I I would not be able to see him if he were to do that. So I look with my eyes completely, and I see a forehead, like a a little like a like a human forehead. Okay, that was that, yeah. And the, I can tell it's like split. The hairline is down the middle. It's like really pale. I see fingers. Pale skin, like black hair, mm-hmm. and then I guess when I noticed it, it slowly sunk under, like slowly sunk under the table. And I remember being so freaked out, I like put my feet up, and I was like immobilized by fear, because I was like, you know, grab me and take me under the table. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I was so freaked out. And I call, I called my friend, and I told him about it. And I kind of calmed down and. Um, but that was, that was probably one of the creepiest things that happened there. But, um, another, another instance, um, again, forgive me for jumping, but like, I'm remembering like the worst stuff that happened. Like I'm getting goosebumps too. So it's like kind of freaking me out, but, um, I'll save like the best two for last, but, uh, that was another creepiest thing that happened. Um, there was a, gosh, I'm, I'm like losing it, but, um, I can't remember, a lot of things, like, a lot of things that would happen, like, my dreams, too, but, um, there was one night when I, uh, I had a dream that my dad was fixing the house up. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, this is later on, but this is probably after I had come back from Ohio and I'd been staying and going to school. But um, I um, so I was taking a nap, or I was either taking a nap or like sleeping. But um, in the dream, my dad was fixing up the house, and my dad stops and she goes, "Um, I'm gonna go to Home Depot and bring the boys with me. There's something that I'm that I need more paint or whatever." And I was like, "Okay, well, we'll be working on the house all day, so I'm just, I'm gonna stay here and take a nap." So in the dream, I like lay down to take a nap and uh. Uh, like, how, I don't know how to describe it, but I was taking a nap in the dream, and then all of a sudden, a woman scream like, a woman screams at me, "What are you doing?" And I look up, and it's this like woman, and she looks like older, like forties. Okay. She has like an apron on, and I look at this woman. I'm like, "What the hell are you doing here?" And she just starts screaming at me to get out of the house. She's not the lady in white, is she? Um, I don't think so. I don't I don't think so. It's really weird because a lot of the things that I've seen, like some of the like the things that um like we only saw, saw like once or twice. Right. So it was like it would change almost every time. And um there's one time when my best friend lived with me for like a good six months. And um it was when I was going to culinary school and she had to be at work at a certain time. I had to go to school. So she woke me up and uh, asked me to get dressed because she needed a ride. So um, I went into my closet, started getting dressed. And I see my friend walk into the room. And how it was set up was, you, like, the door to my room was facing the hallway, of course. But, like, the 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 closet door was open and I could, like, see into the room. And it looked like my friend had walked in and had a stone, like, I saw her face, like, had, like, a blank, like, just a blank expression. It looked like she was ready for work, but she had a blank expression on her face. And she walked right past my closet door. And I'm pissed off because my best friend had, like, she had tried really hard to get me up. And she had, like, basically forced me out of my bed. To get her ready, you know, to get ready so she can go to work and I could go to school or whatever. So I was kind of mm-hmm. pissed off that she had just, she stopped what she was doing. I thought she was playing around. So I opened my door and I was like, girl, if you don't stop, like, playing around with me. And I look around and she's not in my room. And it's got that, like, creepy feeling, like, just washed over me. And I grabbed my stuff and I ran into her room. And then she was like, why aren't you dressed? And I was like, I just saw you walk into my room. She's like, I've been here the whole time. Hmm. Hmm. So, let's see. So, so as for like the three, like the probably the worst things that happened. I uh, we don't know. We never figured out what was like up with the house. Um, I could tell you all the little bitty things that happened. But, um, just some, like, some of, like, the weirdest, I would hear, like, dragging down the hall, like, as if someone was walking, and they would, uh, it sounded like they had a sheet or, like, a garbage bag behind them, 
I was like, it'd be like a step, drag, step, drag. Okay. And um, I think that these things are linked, and this is why I say that. But um, as Luna was uh, Luna was about maybe three or four, mm-hmm. and um. Um, I'm still struggling with insomnia at this point, but, uh, I'm, like, awake. It's around, it's around 11 o'clock, actually, and I'm in my room. Luna's up front. She wanted to stay up and watch cartoons. It's, like, it's, like, it's, like, a Saturday or something. So she's, like, up front watching cartoons. She's, she's passed out. (laughs) And, uh, she didn't like, she didn't like being in her room. Like, from, like, from the time she was a baby, she hated the room that I slept in. And that was actually her. We turned it into her like nursery, mm-hmm. and she she would like scream every time she was put in that room. She hated it. Like there was one time when um, my dad woke me up by putting my screaming child on me because she just she wouldn't stop screaming, and it was like hysterical like scream crying type stuff. Well, um. I say that because she usually slept, like, she usually needed to sleep with me, or she'd sleep, you know, in my dad's room. But, um, at this point in time, she wanted to sleep up front, you know. I think that her cousin was over or something, but, um, so I'm in, I'm in my room. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with a YouTuber, Busta. Sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, um, I really enjoy his content. He, um, he does a lot of, like, real-life scary stories. And without putting any, like, jump scares. Yeah. yeah. And um, I was really, really, really into Be Busted at the time. And I can't recall the video that he was playing, but I was... So, when I'm when I'm at home, I usually have one of my head, head... Like, my headset. Like, one of them's off my ear, so I can hear. Mm-hmm. And so I'm listening to his video, and I can't describe... The be- the best way I can describe this noise, it sounded like a a feral pig and a child, like mixed, like screaming in agony. And that sound was really close to my room. It sounded like it was in my hallway. And I stopped and I paused my video and I was like, I'm listening. <laughs> I. Right. I fast forward the video. I don't hear the sound in the video. I pause. I take my headphones off and I hear it further down the house. Like the same guttural like I can't describe you like I can't describe to you like the fear of like when you hear that kind of noise. It's very that that like it kind of grips you a little bit. It's very weird. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. But, um... So, I'm thinking that... My, my brother had brought his dog over. And my mommy instincts kicked in. And I was like, that dog got out and bit my child. You know, so I'm like, I get up. I, uh... I go into the den. And Luna's just passed out. The dog's in the cage. So... I uh I woke her up and I said, Hey, why don't you come uh sleep in mommy's room? <laughs> so 
so she uh very cranky she got up she came to sleep in my room that night but that was um it was it was noises like that we would hear outside too like when like me and my friends would be outside together um similar noises like that but this time i heard it in the house and it was just as yeah as, that's different yeah it's very like i don't even hear, think i've heard that like sound in movies it's very it was very feral like a yeah. that's the best way i could say is like sounded like a child and a pig scream like at the same time but um so, like I said, we never really figured out what the hell was in the house. But, um, another few times, and this goes into the whole alien thing. Um, when I was pregnant, I, uh, I worked at Ross. And, um, there was one time what I got Ross? off. Ross it's is like a, a, like a dress for less a, place. Okay. I was going to say it was a craft store, and I knew that wasn't right. Okay. You, you know what Marshall's is? Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. I don't know if Marshalls is like a craft stores. It's like it's like a Belk or it's like one of those stores. Gotcha. They have like they have clothing, they have mugs, they have blankets, they have furniture, not furniture, furniture. Yeah, they do have furniture. It's like oh, they sell everything. Yeah. yeah. But everything's like marked down. <laughs> well, um, I was working at Ross, and I was I was like four, four or five months pregnant at the time. Um, I know I just kind of found out that I was pregnant, which I found out later in my pregnancy. So, yeah. um, I remember driving home and the sun was setting. So it was maybe, um, six, seven, eight, somewhere on there. But, um, I just remember pulling up and not in the driveway, but under the tree, like, and, and, you know, the, you've seen the island. The front, the, yeah. the big tree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I um, I also do these weird, real weird things where I sit in my car and I ponder the day. It's like my oh, own kind of like, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like my free time to myself, kind of like to debrief and everything before I go inside. So I, I uh, pulled up under my tree, and I was really tired. Was, you know, pregnancy does weird things to you. But um, I I was like, okay, I'm gonna take a nap. I don't know why. I was like, I'm gonna take a nap. I've done it many times before. Never on the road. Usually in the in the driveway. But um, so I I rested on the wheel on the wind and the on the wheel. And uh, speaking about the whole uh, pure terror thing, um. I just, I woke up, like, suddenly, and I was, like, startled, and I was, like, as I could move, but, like, I had this intense, like, just fear, like, pure, like, I have to get out right now, fear, like, just walked over me, and, um, all around my car, there were lights, there was, like, flashy, like, red, white, blue, yellow, green, red, a lot of red. It's just flashing. Okay. And then they slowly, like, they slowly just disappeared. But, um, I remember, like, being scared for a little bit. And I sat in my car. And then the fear, the fear went away eventually. 
I remember sitting in my car, and um, I looked at my phone, and it was like 11 at night. Then like so, it felt like I had only been asleep for like an hour, but there was a good gap of time. Missing where, time. Like, yeah. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. And I, I can't say that I was abducted because I don't know, but that was just some weird. Um, a follow up to that though, this is like one of the creepiest things that's ever happened. Um. But, so, uh, I was about maybe a few months along, a few months further along, and, um, uh, my best friend at the time and I were, we were in my room, and, um, she was, it was night, everybody was going to sleep, and me and her would stay up and have long conversations, and, um, the bed was pushed against the wall in such a way where, uh, it was like, so she slept near the wall, and I slept with my back towards the the window and we were just talking and um i can't remember exactly what we were talking about but uh it was some kind of some kind of problem she was having at the time and i was just listening and um as she's talking i, I start feeling very uncomfortable and um usually we were the kind of friends we would like we love talking about spooky stuff mm-hmm. all the time and um I get goosebumps t- talking about the story like all the time because it's just, it was, it's, I don't know, but, um, it's just really, it's something, it's one of the creepiest things because we both, something happened at the same time that like, you know, it kind of confirms that I'm not the only one seeing these kind of things or feeling these kind of things. Right. But I'm, I'm, I'm laying there, and I just, I'm feeling very uncomfortable. You know when someone gets, like, way too close to you? Mm-hmm. And you could feel them, and you're just, like, so, like, standing in an elevator, and you're just, someone's on you, and you're just, like, I gotta get out of here. Claustrophobic type of thing. But, um, yeah. So I'm starting to feel that. And she stops mid-sentence, and she she pauses for a long time, and like the feeling of like dread, like I have to I have to move, is like starting to wash over me more. But I don't want to bring up spooky spooky topics because like we always talk about spooky stuff. <laughs> right. So I'm like, hey, could you um could you just do me a favor and not stop talking? And she was like, uh yeah, no problem. Uh, I was like, yeah, it's fine. I just um, I don't fall asleep. Because, you know, this is really important. Uh, she was going through, like, some kind of something at the time. Mm-hmm. So she was like, okay, I understand that. So she starts talking again, and the feeling went away for a minute. But as soon as she starts talking again, uh, and, like, I feel the feeling. is it's, it's getting worse. And um, I she stops talking again, and she just, it's like she's, it's like she's lost track of thought. She's like, she pauses, and I'm like, "Hey, um, you you mind if we uh switch places on the bed because uh, I, um, I normally sleep near the near the near the uh, wall. I was I didn't I didn't want to talk about spooky stuff at the time, like mm-hmm. I said. So I was like kind of coming up with like anything I could say. You know, I just wanted to get away from the wall the window. And she goes, "Why?" 
And I was like, you, you know, I usually sleep by the by the bed. And she goes, no, why? And I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel something really weird, like, behind me. And she's like, we need to turn on the lights. She turns on the lights. And we sit up in bed for a minute. And the, the feeling disappears again. And I'm like... No, I think I think the exact word she used was, can you see it too? And I said, no, but I can feel it. And she's like, we have to turn on the lights. Mm-hmm. She turns on the lights. And I'm like, my, my, I have goose pimples and I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like, try not to freak out. And, um. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um, she goes, hold on one second. Mm -hmm. Sorry. But, um, she goes, so you didn't see it? I said, no. So she says that in the middle of our conversation, there's a light that came through the window. And she says she doesn't know how um, how it appeared. But it was this very tall, white, slender being. She couldn't tell me what it was. But it was just this white, like not like made of static kind of thing, but it was like a white light figure. And it it's really funny when she describes it, but at the time it really freaked me out. She said that it had come over it had come over to my bedside and right behind me had like <laughs> had like started like wiggle dancing. Mm. Like mm-hmm. waving its arms like in like an she said it was like kind of ethereal, like waving its arms you know, and dancing in like a noodle like you know those <laughs> the the we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna chuckle. I know what you're talking. Like the, <laughs> the inflatable, yeah, car dealership yes. things. I don't know what right. you call them, it's but so we sick. all know. Yes, I'm sure that's where everyone's mind is going to go. Yeah, <laughs> it's that thing. But she said that it was like a skinny, just like ethereal, like presence that just kept like slowly wacky, wacky arm inflatable tube man dancing. Yes, thank like, you. Besides me, beside me, and she said that um, when I had stopped her the first time, it had disappeared. But as I continued the conversation, it had come back, and uh, we switched sides because she said, um, like I said, we were really into the spooky stuff. She said that it might have been coming after me because I was pregnant. But uh, yeah, I was I was probably like. One of the creepier things that had happened at that house. It's just stuff like that happened. You know, I can always talk about like the the dishes that would like fly off like shelves and books and stuff. And but those are probably like the weirdest things that have ever happened there. It was. It wasn't just experienced by me either. It was it was my my best friend, my girlfriend, and um. After I after I moved out though I stopped experiencing those kind of things. I mean in the place I am now like some weird stuff's going on just nothing to the extent that it was 
at the Arrowhead house. Yeah. Um, I don't know. My brother's, my brother said that some weird stuff happened there too that he can remember, but um, he never really gave me any specific stories. But as for me, those are. Yeah. Um, hmm. it's just some weird. I don't know. I I don't even know what to say. No, and that's fine. I don't think a lot of people really do, but <laughs> you know. Uh, what? But, nothing you can really say. It's just. Yeah, I wanted to ask. This is either going to clear something up or not help at all. Maybe make it work. But when you were talking about seeing, why did I just open my email by complete accident? <laughs> Close that before it starts dinging and making stuff. Um, eyes in the woods. Back when you said you would take walks. Yeah. Were they so like was this so this was at night right? Right. So when you saw the eyes, were they illuminated a color, or were they simply just like reflecting light? Well, um, or do you know? Can you remember? They were definitely they were illuminated. Okay. Um. I I don't remember any cars like I was standing in the middle of the road, you know. Yeah. But I don't remember any cars coming by that would have uh, illuminated. Like, so the there eye. was not enough light to make like. Because that's the thing, like, there's no there's no animal that we know of on the planet that has luminescent eyes. Yeah. Or like, you know, that can generate their own light. Yeah. So um, if you see, what, you know, everything's a reflection. So when you see yeah. something like that and you're like, well, there's no light, that's when it's like, yeah, crap. Yeah, something's up. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. why um, uh, I'm not the other one that's seen, like, um, so my best friend, uh, she actually used to live in Airhead too. She said that uh, some weird stuff. She's told me some weird stuff. Nothing like the stuff I've experienced, but um, she said that she used to see eyes in the woods too. Mm-hmm. So um, and this is uh, this is before she didn't know me when I was going through like the really like edgy, a uh, Batman roaming around the neighborhood type yeah. of stuff, but um. She said that uh, after we became best friends, we we got on the subject, and she she said she saw the same thing. But um, for her, it wasn't just one pair of eyes; it was like a multitude. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's like blinking and like staring back. It was weird. Gotcha. Huh? No, I just that was I just wanted I just wanted to. No, that's that's a good question because, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think because we've probably got a good hour of content here. Oh yeah. Um. No, but that, that's good. Like those are great stories. You always have. I don't want to say fun stories, but you always have interesting, interesting things to chomp on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna go ahead. I'll stop recording it here. But thank you so much. And that'll about do it for uh, 3.05 of the show. That was a great interview. That was a great, some great stories told. If you have stories of your small town that you would like to share, uh, we can get on Skype. I can just read it. You can point me to a news article, whatever. Be it a haunting, be it true crime, Bigfoot, UFOs, you know the drill. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can do it. The best way to do it is to 
go to stscast.com. At the bottom of the main page, there's an email form that you can fill out. They'll come to me. Uh, the other great way to do it is just get on social media. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Facebook at stscast. For both of those, I'm on Instagram at stscast.gram. And uh, you can get at me there and we'll figure something out. You can also find out, you know, updates for the show and stuff. Uh, uh, the website also has all of the show notes and sources. And I'd like to point out a couple of the sources I used this episode. Uh, uh, Rob Gavigan, who's a great YouTuber, did an awesome little video on the Circleville Letters. It's how I got, it was brought to my attention. It's how I actually first found out about it. So I've linked that. Make sure you go and check that out. He's got a lot of great content to watch. And, uh, the article, the cut article, which is linked in the show notes for the Watcher story, is amazingly in-depth. If you really want to dig into that story, that cut article is the one to go and read. So all that stuff is on the website. Pictures, sources, merch. Uh, grab yourself a t-shirt, grab a coffee mug, a sticker. Support this show if you could. It helps keep all of this going. The other great thing to do if you don't want to spend some money or can't spend some money is just leave a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and subscribe to the show and tell a friend, word of mouth, all of that great stuff. But that's another episode in the bag, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with uh, more. So until that time, remember, every town has a secret. What is yours? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? 
Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.